Jake, where are we going? To the Bard Rock Cafe, Miss Polly. I know you're what they call a foodie, so surely you'll appreciate their cuisine. Find us on this side of the Sword Coast. I heard people talking, and I'm pretty sure that place is a smoldering crater. As you two approach what you expect to be a smoldering crater, you see a freshly reconstructed two-story tavern with a giant banner out front that says, Grand Reopening. You also feel an uncomfortably familiar sensation as you approach, the same one you each feel before wild magic surges within you from your curse. Okay, maybe not a smoldering crater, but something doesn't feel right here. Of course something's off. Me old friend Brock Song isn't here at the moment. Someone else will have to read the ads for their sponsors. Spirit, if you will. Shameless self-promotion activated. Bard Rock Network and all of its content is brought to you by Dragon Master Games, a local game store where you can find collectibles and TTRPG essentials. If they aren't local to your area, check out their online storefront in the show notes and add a note to your order. Bardrock sent you. Who are you saying that to? Jake, whose speaking stone number did you just dial? Um, Arlo isn't here right now. Can I take a message? How did you get this number? Uh, anyway, Dragon Master Games sounds like a great store and you should definitely support them. Thanks for the tip. But seriously, stop calling this number. I quickly hang up my speaking stone and say, No one important, Miss Polly. Let's head inside and check out their wares. Miss Polly, I found some treasure. This just looks like a bunch of t-shirts, mugs, tote bags, pins, and stickers to me. Ah, it's all the finest swag. <sighs> Jake, we, we've been over this. All treasure is swag. But not all swag is treasure. You don't have to steal this Bard Rock Network merch. You can just pick it up at affordable prices from their merch store. Just go to tpublic.com slash user slash Cafe, and you can get all this, all that and more. You have a point, Miss Polly. We won't be making off of this swag. Besides, buying it helps support the network and keep them making quality content. Exactly. Tell you what, you can have a t-shirt on me. All right then, Miss Polly. What shirt size are you? That, that's, that's not what I mean. I, never mind. Let's just start the show. Welcome back to episode 49 of Bard Rock Cafe. What? Fun fact. We are recording this immediately after. Recording episode 45 where everybody gets scattered. So, technically, I have no idea if it's going to work out the way I think it is. But I have, like, plot points, right? We're starting with Nadir. Hi, I'm Nadir. <laughs> yes. Everyone's scattered as a result of a faulty plane shift spell. Everyone ended up in different places. Nadir, you ended up on the side of a mountain precipice. The air, too thin for you to breathe easily. And in front of you, embedded into the side of the mountain, crumbling to pieces, barely holding itself together, the other obelisk lies in front of you. You see nothing else around you. Like, there is a, sh a sheer drop, like, ten feet to your right, that just, you don't see where it goes. The air is cloudy and foggy and thick. Well, not thick, thin, but it's 
it's windy, it's freezing cold, you're on a snow-capped mountain somewhere. And there's the other obelisk. Okay, I can... No, I can't. I'm cold. That's not Thaumaturg. Wait, I have all of them. That's right. You, for some reason, have all three. One of these lets me warm myself. We're going to say press digitation. That sounds right. Yeah. So, you are artificially warming yourself every six seconds. It's doing some good. You're still having, like, it's the air is thin. You see those little squiggly lines in your vision. You're not passing out, but, like, there's a second where you have to adjust. I can I can warm my clothing for an hour with press the digitation. Come on. <laughs> you are unnaturally warm, given where you are. There is a dull howl around you as the wind is blowing and whistling from somewhere. Nadir turns to to the obelisk and just kind of takes it in for a second because it's been a minute. But if I recall correctly, this is not where we thought the other obelisk was. Wherever this is. And it being the only landmark, the only anything of any significance, he's going to make his way over to it. As you make your way over to it, the obelisk seems fractured and worn with massive chunks missing. Uh, taking it in... No, it really seems like it should just have lost its structural integrity by this point. It is very much at not quite a 90 degree angle with the sheer cliff face, but, you know, gravity should be cracking it near the center where a lot of it is missing. But there are glowing golden threads weaving through the cracks and the gaps that are holding it together, but even those seem stretched and strained in the effort of preserving this obelisk. As you approach it, you do see similar golden writing on the side of it, but it's harder to read or make out. It is faded and not bright like the other obelisk, and uh, just disjointed because of the cracks and broken nature of this one. Well, so this is this is far more out of sorts than, than the one should be. At least when I'm from. I might not be when I'm from. This could... I. Time travel is possible in theory. Or... Or this is not the other Tablet of Fate. This might be one of the originals. That would be an interesting find. Hmm... Uh, and he is going to get a much closer look at, like, the threads woven throughout the structure. Trying to see maybe what kind of, of magic or artifice they are. Okay. Roll a religion check, please. Okay. Oh boy, that's an eight. They're magic. Hmm. I see. Well, he's going to with with some with some trepidation because if a put together obelisk is falling apart on the inside, then who knows what one that is falling apart on the outside will look like. But he ever so gently caresses a hand over one of the markings, over a crack, over a thread. 
just to get, just to get a feel, maybe hoping that something can be discerned by touch. So Nadir would know <clears throat> that touching the other obelisk is a sure way to go inside the other obelisk to that dimensional plane within it. Uh, with this one, you touch the obelisk and you are hit with a wave of disorienting magical just vertigo. Do me a favor and roll a wisdom saving throw. 13. I need you to roll me a d100, please. 27. Now roll me a d10. 7. So you recoil away from the obelisk. In the instant that you touched it, your mind was flooded with different disjointed images, and it's like you were too close to take them all in. Uh, you spend the next seven minutes screaming. Like, doubled up, doubled over onto the ground, clutching your head, screaming. Even after you recover from the initial trauma of whatever image was planted there, your mind still has just a cluster of things that don't make sense to it. Basically, a lot of nonsensical, disjointed images that don't click, right? Okay. <laughs> Screaming for seven straight minutes is such... That was... That was so... That was that was unpleasant. Um, it, uh... Let's not. Let's not. Let's not do that anymore. Um, I couldn't do that again. So... How how specific can I get with locate object? Nadir is going to attempt to find any bit of recognition or something to reconnect him with, with where he was before. So Nadir is going to attempt to locate Brock's flute. So you cast locate object... It does not ping. It is not within a thousand feet of you. Hmm. We're scattered. We're... And he looks He looks kind of over the... Over the crag. Down to just a sheet of white below. Yeah, you are above the cloud line right now. And possibly far away. It's... And he turns back to the obelisk again. I don't have a choice, it seems. And he reaches out to it again, but this time, instead of just running a hand along it, he is going to firmly grasp one of the golden cords. One of the golden cords. Roll me an insight real quick. It just seems like the best place to, like, grasp. Uh, a synthetic 20. In spite of yourself, not even really intentionally, your fingers go to a particular golden thread. The minute you connect with it, there's a familiar rush of warmth and energy that you understand. Because it's innate to you. So, go ahead and give yourself a long rest. Cool, I'll take that one spell slot back. <laughs> well, and that also means you gain your level up from all the energy that the other tablet gave you. You are now level 11. Huzzah! doubled in power the golden thread that you're touching you recognize as the golden thread that would be linked to a god's book right oh 
This one in particular flashes through you as Paladine's golden thread. Oh. It is straining like all the other golden threads to hold this tablet together. Oh, I almost want to pull it, but that feels like it'd be a bad. He traces it with a finger, and the point that it intersects with with the tablet is is where his fingers eventually land, in the hopes that... Because he hasn't really tested this if, you know, different places on the tablet put you in a different place in the library. But that would make sense if it's sort of bleeding outwards. And so he hopes to follow the thread into the obelisk, and maybe, just maybe, end up on the other side of that wall of force, if it's in this one too. Well, so as you're in in contact with Haladine's thread, and then your hand brushes against the tablet itself, again, that wave of images washes over you. But it's more focused this time. It seems more centered around Paladine. And you do find yourself inside that library. This time on the other side of that golden wall. Holding Paladine's book. All around you, the library is falling to pieces. Actively falling apart. Like, not like you are in danger of being crushed under falling rocks right this second, but like you're standing there... And, like, 150 feet away, you watch as the floor underneath a bookcase just collapses. Oh. Well, in that case, I do a couple actions in as quick a succession as possible. Hold on to Paladine's book. Hold out a hand. And do the one thing that has absolutely been necessary. Lolf. You... You know, as per usual, there is the disorienting feeling of moving through the library, even though you are traveling instantly. You find yourself bumping into that golden wall. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> but this time, you're on the other side of it, meaning that Loth has gotten inside of the Celestial Gate. Oh, no! Oh, no. Oh, that's good knowledge, but oh, no. Okay, part two of this plan, get out. Leave the obelisk holding holding Paladine's book. Actually, no. First, step one, skim the last page of Paladine's book. Just eyes skimming for location. Location? Yeah. Celestia. Okay. Hoping for a more specific landmark. So you're watching as Paladine stands together with a motley crew of other deities, right? Garl Glimmergold for the gnomes, Tyr, Ilmater, all of these just random assortment of gods of different races and domains fighting for their lives. You watch as a robed figure... A pale man with dark hair points his finger at Garl Glimmergold and a wave of something akin to necrotic energy but with a little bit more presence to it uh, strikes him and it seems like it unrights him. You watch as golden threads 
start to make just a wireframe outline of Garl Grimmergold's body. And then he's unrecognizable. And then the golden threads just turn to thread. And then they wither away to dust. Paladine, Bahamut, everyone just charges, right? Trying to attack this being. And he is lunging to one side, lunging to another. He gets hit by just divine blast of energy after divine blast of energy. It doesn't seem to affect him. You catch a glimpse in the background of a ritual being cast by Sylvanas, the goddess of the moon. And it seems like all the other gods are trying to buy her time. And you're watching as the divine gate. This is the equivalent of watching someone try to bend the bars to get through. And you just see her slip through. You watch. Go ahead and roll, I would say, religion and arcana for me to understand what you're seeing. Religion, 19, and arcana, 28. So with a 19 on religion, you are watching Sylvanas try to squeeze through the divine gate, and you start to watch her cast aside some of her godly powers so that she can fit. To the point that she is, with that arcana score, you recognize lowered to demigod status on the way through. She is no longer a goddess. She has cast aside the majority of her divinity to get through. But you watch as that just happens. I have an important question about how, about how, how divinity works. Does When you cast aside godly power... Does it have to go somewhere? Like, is it a thing that you can just lose into the ether? Or do you, is it like like a physical object that you have to, like, pull and put somewhere? Maybe not in, in a physical sense, but, you know. How do I want, how, what would Nadir know? Roll a history check. 26. So Baal, the Lord of Murder, was killed during the first time of Troubles, right? He foresaw his own death and so he arranged for his divinity to be passed on to his descendants and while they were all walking around on earth he got busy and had a whole bunch of godchilds basically divinity is tied to you but it's not a part of you divinity it's not like it's something you can just pass around right right when you're a god over a domain, that is a big deal. And changing that in any way is a huge process. And with a 28 arcana, you're pretty sure you watched a ritual to cast aside most of her divinity. Like, that's what was happening. The divinity for, like, the moon is just there. It is an ethereal, crystalline-looking energy. That is now separate from any person. There is no god over the moon at this moment at the end of Paladine's book. Okay. Someone can come along and pick it up, right? Like... That's... That's what I was getting at. Like, could... Could Evil Cloak Deathman just grab it? He could. Highly unfortunate. The vision doesn't last long enough for you to see what happens to that divinity or what happens to Saloon. Because 
Paladine is struck and disintegrated much in the same way that Garl Glimmergold was. And the vision stops as you reach the end of the book, and the pages themselves, like, get shredded at the end of the book. Okay. And the text fades from golden to a dull, just faded ink color. How, how much time do I have before this place falls apart on top of me? You're not sure. Is, is the threat immediate? No. I'm going to designate right here on the other side of this wall. I'm designating the spot for Paladine's book as a sanctuary for Word of Recall. So Word of Recall has to be somewhere strongly linked to your god, right? Yes. Their Book of Fate is about as strongly linked as you can get, so yeah. I'll allow it. Alright. I will say you have to actually be inside the tablet, right? In order to recall to it? Yes. But it will let you get to the other side of the golden wall if you're there, right? Alright. So, yeah, I'll allow that. Excellent. And now I hope that all the libraries are connected and it doesn't have to be this obelisk and can be any of them because that's a problem. <laughs> Well, you are reasonably confident that the one in the Bardrock Cafe is intact. Yeah. But I mean, does each obelisk have a separate library, or do they all take us to the same library? Is, is I guess, the better question there. You don't know. I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's all the same library. And I'm going to get out and leave behind the book. You try to leave. You're stuck. Oh. Oh no. It's like you've, you've replaced the book on the shelf. Willing yourself to leave does not seem to be working. And that's how I've always left before, right? Is is by by will or being forced out. Yeah, one or the other. Nadir will cast locate object. And the object he's going to locate is the exit. You are pulled in two directions, indicating that there are two exits. One direction lies to the other side of the Divine Gate, that golden shimmery wall. One lies on this side. If there are multiple, it does it does only locate the nearest, at least rules as written. Okay, then enjoy your free information. It would locate the one <laughs> on this side of the Divine Gate, the side that you are on. Okay, well, let's, let's go and uh, move around any... Any conspicuous pits that may have been have may have swallowed up bookshelves. You try to will yourself there, like anywhere else in the library, to kind of like just appear there. It doesn't work, but you do know the direction, so you start to walk. You make your way through what you can only imagine is the Celestia section. You're seeing just with your innate religion, you know who these gods are. You're seeing a lot of just celestial beings. It does seem that you are making your way out of the Celestia portion of the library. Go ahead and roll... I'll tell you what, I'll let you choose. Choose one, you will get different answers for each, right? So Arcana, Religion, or History. It's, it's my worst of the three, but because we are specifically traveling through God's, like, books of God's realms, those words in a different order. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to do religion. 
19. So 19 is pretty good. You're seeing the domains that you're going through. It seems like you're moving towards a more law and order region of the cosmos, right? So in the, the different realms, there's like there, there's the cosmic wheel, right? And if you go up on the cosmic wheel, you get to Celestia, where everything is good. And then, like, if you go in one direction, you get to the Mechanus, the plane of order, versus Pandemonium, the plane of chaos, where you guys have encountered Cyric. You seem like you're moving towards a more neutral, lawful region of the cosmos, based on the kind of deities and that sort of thing that you're seeing. You're also noticing that as you move in this direction you're noticing less and less destruction and crumbling. So it seems like in this direction, the tablet seems more whole. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Oh! Okay. I wonder if the damage to the inside of the library on this side of the Celestial Gate is congruent with the damage of those things that have been eating entire planes. Roll a history check. Cool, 28. Nadir is mulling over that thought, or you are wondering above board that thought? I mean, that's that's uh, above board. My brain connected that. Nadir, because he is seeing inconsistent damage across the library, is going to have that thought pop into his head and just say, oh, like, a thing to investigate later. But while he's attempting to make his way towards the exit, there's no way to, to to test that theory while this place is crumbling around him. So with a 28 history, through that lens, what I'll give you is simply that you have seen the abyss and the elemental plane of fire be affected firsthand. You do know that Cyric... I will say, you do know that Cyric was desperate to get out of that chair. He'd been fine there for a long time, he was pushing really hard to get free of his confinement. And you do know that something started at the bottom of the abyss, which had, in theory, endless layers, and started coming up. That is, things that Nadir does know to filter his thoughts through. But those are on, like, the opposite side of where I'm at now, and apparently opposite where I'm going. It does seem that way. Something to look into later. Roll me a perception check as you make your way. Seemingly for... It, time is weird here, but you see, you feel like you're walking for at least a little while. Yeah. Uh, 16. As you're walking, you see a book that belongs to someone not a celestial. With a thread that is tied to you. I think N Nadir kind of... He stops at the book and then kind of keeps going and looks around hesitates and then grabs the book and sits down and starts to read uh it's Epi's book it seems you have found Epi wherever Epi ended up Epi's on this side of the wall Epi's on this side of the wall I'm on this side of the wall where was she trying to take us are we I'll give you that roll an arcana are we all here? Well, I think I'm going to test it a lot more you know, explicitly. Sure. And just say, Rook, 
You say Rook. You find yourself bumped up against the golden wall. God damn it. Now I gotta go all the way back. You don't. You just say Effie's name again. Unless you held on to the book. I didn't. Okay. Well, I might um For the sake of expediency, you put it you put it back. Or maybe didn't put it back, but like set it down. So Rook, not on this side of the wall. Okay, so not all not not all of us. Um Okay. Effie's there. I'm here. Rook is not. Roll an insight check. Twenty-four. God. Ooh, that's good. You realize you didn't get here using your own book. And the thought crosses your mind that you don't actually know where your own book is. Well, let's fix that real quick. Nadir Kosein Amber. You bump right, like, after having thought of Rook, thinking of your own name, you don't move an inch. You are stuck against the wall. I, I squish a little bit harder. Sure, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're doing that thing, like, where you're pressed up against the window pane? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess it doesn't it doesn't quite matter where I was, but where I'm going. And I'm going back to Epi. <laughs> okay. You are back at Epi's book. And let's just keep going for the exit. Much like before, you reach what appears to be the the abstract center of this library. The, the core, I would say, of the obelisk. There is a circular ring where no bookcases are, right? Instead, there is a single pedestal with a large tome. From your past experience, you know this is the obelisk itself, right? Like, this is the obelisk's book, so to speak. It is the, the, the universal book. Not that far from where Effie is. Which, also, for the record, your locate object, that's it. Right? That book is the exit. So, just to clear that up. I w- Nadir reads the last page of Epi's book, figure out exactly where they are. Again, kind of same thing, scanning for a location name. So, the last page of this book is tricky. Roll a wisdom saving throw. 13 again. Where before you were hit by a wave of just massive, overwhelming images that didn't make sense, that starts to happen. As you're trying to read Epi's book, you're struck by different images. So you you were able to turn to the last page of Paladine's book. With Epi's book, as you keep turning forward, the pages keep generating more pages. It's almost like there isn't an ending as though fate is still being written for Epi. Right. And as you're trying to parse this through... I wasn't trying to get, like, to the end of Epi's life. I was trying to get to to current moment. You're trying to get to current moment? Yeah. I, I, I thought that, like, last page of the book would be, like, what is happening right now because it's still being written. That was in the other obelisk. That's the first page in this obelisk. Oh. Welcome to Dungeons and Dialogue, where we're more than just an actual play show. We play pre-written adventures and then review how they're written and designed. Dungeons and Dialogue is brought to you by Bard Rock Network. You can follow the show on Twitter at DNDialogue 
and the network on Twitter at Bardrock Network. I'm Paul, and I'm the Dungeon Master for the first campaign, the Dungeons & Dragons module, Dragons of Ice Spire Peak. Join me as I lead a group of misfit adventurers on their quest to rid the greater Neverwinter area of a draconic menace. Misfits, introduce yourselves. Hello everyone, I'm Carly Steichen. I will be playing Ashlyn Nightwalker, our human druid that has trouble talking to people. She She's very socially awkward. Uh, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Carly Steichen, and you can find me on Twitch and at Etsy uh, at Armadillo Dice. And I'm very excited to be playing with all these wonderful people. I'm Steven. I'll be playing Mirzal Halftooth, the half-orc barbarian who's looking for his treasure to get his ship back. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DJ Stevasaurus. Hello, I am Sarah and I'm playing as Tevda or as better known as Tev, a half-elf rogue who just is searching for her place. You can find me at Instrumentitis on Twitter. Hi, I'm Kira, and I play Alexander Mordai, a young adult moon elf wizard who's deep into his edgelord phase and looking to expand his spellbook. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at the D&D artist with underscores in between each word. And that's our cast. Does this ragtag group have what it takes to slay the dragon? Is this module even any good? Tune into Dungeon Dialogue to find out. Available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Unauthorized life form detected. I'm not unauthorized, silly. I'm your friendly neighborhood mail robot. And I have a delivery from Minva RPG for you. I did not order anything. Well, it has your name on it. So are you sure it's not yours? But I did not give you my name. You look at the package and it is in fact addressed to spirit. I take the package then. Campaign journals. Why do I have so many? Why, for all of your personalities, of course. I thought you would want one for each of you so you don't have to share. These campaign journals are perfect for players to track their character info, inventory, spells, and miscellaneous campaign notes. <laughs> I'll mark you down as another satisfied customer. And if you want more, just go to our affiliate link in the show notes and use code BARDROCKCAFE at checkout to save on your order. Scan complete. Data added. Friend request accepted. As the two Warforged finish interfacing, a druid in a straw hat runs by, swinging a pair of boa constrictors wildly like whips, chased by a horde of zombies. Tarnation, I don't think I can baptize them all! A little help? <laughs> Murder protocols activated! Lethal force authorized. I'm just gonna move these journals inside and let you two do what you do best. Bye! Okay, Spirit, you can unload the supplies uh, right here in the galley. Acknowledged. Cargo unloaded. Scan complete. Unknown substance detected. Oh, uh, that's, that's nothing to worry about. That's just our stock of tea and coffee from Many Worlds Tavern. 
I wanted to stock up while we were at port. You can't get good tea and coffee just anywhere. Correction. You can get tea and coffee delivered from Many Worlds Tavern to many locations if you order through their website. And if you use the affiliate link in the show notes, a portion of your order supports the show. Oh, that's right. And you can even save some money on your order by using the code BARDROCKCAFE at checkout. I'll keep that in mind. Thanks. You're welcome. I believe the captain said something about finding treasure while we are in port. Should we go find him? Yeah, sure. Who knows what trouble he'll get into by himself. Jake, we've been following your compass for hours. Are you sure you're reading the thing right? I maybe you're right, Miss Polly. Let me try the doubloon of absolutes. I flip the doubloon and lands on heads. With the heads, you get a natural 20 and a wild magic surge. A treasure chest appears before you. That's more like it. I peer inside. Inside, you find an assortment of dice, dice trays, and dice towers, and an inscription in the lid telling you where you can find more. Looks like we can get all this and more from Fan Roll Dice at the affiliate link in the show notes. And with code BARROCKCAFE at checkout, we can save on our order. Inside, you also find a picture of the entire crew. What? What's that, Jake? Don't you know, Miss Polly? The real treasure is the friends we made along the way. <sighs> oh, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. That, right, this one, this one's the future. It's what hasn't been written, it's the fate. It's where we are going to be what is going to happen, and what we can prevent. I need to get to Celestia. I need to grab everyone. So Nadir looks at the first page of Epi's book to try and find a location. Epi has just exited the faulty plane shift spell that only went through because of the power of Queen Map. Epi found himself launched instead to the Fortress of Memories. Go ahead and roll... Just roll a religion. This is not a hard check, but I just want to know if that clicks for you. Uh, even... 11. But even if it doesn't, I have a plan for that. Okay, well, 11 is super low, so no. That's that's fairly specialized information, and 11 is, like, just common knowledge. That's not common knowledge for people. Okay. Nadir is going to... I guess touch the obelisk's book and and attempt to exit. Uh, yeah. So, the way this one works is you find yourself rocketing out of the obelisk. The visions that you got before start to make a little more sense. Um, you see a lot of... Because you're on this side of the Divine Gate, you see a lot more golden threads. But as you're rocketing away, you see the cosmic wheel beneath you right? And all of the different threads that everyone has. So before, when you touched it, you kind of got glimpses of random threads of fate from everybody. Here, you're kind of looking at it instead of, like, up close getting waves and waves of images, it's like looking at it from far, far away, and you get kind of more of a mosaic view of it, right? Like, you've seen that picture that's made up of, like, millions of tiny pictures? Right. This is like, like a, um, oh my, 
I, I completely forget what pantheon they're from, but like Clotho and the three the three weavers of fate. It's 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 kind of that where like each individual thread is a whole lifetime, but if you back up from the loom and look at the whole thing, you are looking at the weave of fate, and you are watching as at four distinct points, the fabric is being torn asunder, as though someone is burning the threads away, and it is just fraying apart. And from this angle, you can definitely see, uh. It seems to have started in the more chaotic and uh, evil portions, and is moving its way up. So, are there four disjointed and, like, unrelated points that are burning? Yes. With your knowledge and education, I would say you're familiar with the Cosmic Wheel enough to know that the Abyss is just gone. Pandemonium is mostly gone. The Plane of Fire, mostly gone. The Shadowfell, gone. The Plane of Water, gone. The Feywild is just starting to burn. And Celestia, while significantly more resilient, is starting to catch. And you know that you just read Into the Future of Celestia in Paladine's book. That is not yet happened, but whatever this is, has arrived. How thick was Paladine's book in comparison to like some of the others? Good question. So knowing that the first page is right now, not that thick. Okay, that is what I was afraid of. So am I literally just like in the weave? You can look down. You're aware that somewhere in there is your thread. Oh, but there's so many billions. That won't do. Finding myself... I I am here. Finding myself doesn't matter. If this is the exit, and this is the whole of creation, then I should exit to... And I could exit to wherever I want. So you exit, right? Yeah. You're just outside of the obelisk again. You entered at this obelisk, you leave at this obelisk. Okay. So it's, and it's okay. Your finger is I'd... just hovering over Paladine's golden thread. Okay, okay, okay. And you see all the other golden threads and the rest of the obelisk that you can touch. Sorry, I thought I was want. in some sort of like other space. Uh no, it is more your So the demiplane inside of the obelisk is fed to you in terms that your character's mind can understand, but it is kind of an abstract concept, right? Yeah. It is the Tablet of Fate, and you are in the Library of Fate reading up on everybody's fate. Yeah. And you've correctly figured out that the other tablet showed people's past. This one is the future as it's being written, and all possibilities. But possibility is being burned away. Correct. Fate is being burned away. Not just fate, the actual the actual destiny of places is being removed by removing the places themselves. That is a good way to combat fate. I'm sorry, what is the name of the place that you just told me Epi was at? The Fortress of Memories. Okay. With some of his old power restored by this obelisk. Nadir remembers how 
he got so much esoteric and so much very specific information in the first place. And he is going to sit down, pull out his book, and spend ten minutes digging through it as he casts legend lore to tell me about the Fortress of Memories. So the Fortress of Memories is the seat of the Raven Queen. When the Raven Queen ascended to godhood, part of that process involved erasing her actual name from all memory, right? It's not even recorded in, like, the Tablets of Fate. Her old self was erased. She was remade as the goddess of fate and destiny. And life and death and, like, the idea is that moment, right? That moment of decision, that moment of destiny where your life hangs in the balance. This is your moment of fate, right? It's a very narrow, limited domain because she was a mortal that ascended to godhood and stole a piece of divinity for herself. As such, she is very focused on, like, recording and keeping memories specifically focused on those moments, those key moments in history, but just moments where fate was decided. And so the Fortress of Memories is her domain. It was in the Shadowfell, but it has since moved because she is a divine goddess and her plane is now beyond the divine gate as part of that process, right? So what was once in the Shadowfell, a piece of the Shadowfell is now linked outside of the Divine Gate, and that piece still exists, even though the rest of the Shadowfell is gone. But that is where Epi finds himself. Has anything about the landscape changed? Uh, no. It's still top of a frozen mountain. No clue where you are. No clue how to get away from here. There is a very surefire way to get away from here. Leap! <laughs> you're, you're not far off, actually. I was joking. You do you. Um, Nadir places uh, the staff between his legs, kind of like you would ride a hobby horse, um, casts telekinesis on it, and rides it down the mountain. I love it. Uh, so you do that. How long does telekinesis last? Uh, up to ten minutes. Okay. So ten minutes... Telekinesis does not get you all the way down the mountain. You go, I would say you go far enough down to get a better view of things. I would say you get far enough down to see off in the distance there is, at the mouth of a cave leading outward is a fortress that is home to frost giants. And it's clear that the cavern entrance is the, the center of their fortress, like that is what it is built around. Frost giants are generally friendly, right? I would say, without even having to check, they are not. Um, they are known to be very uh, unfriendly and aggressive. Well, that's that's unfortunate. The cavern entrance that they're, they are nearby is huge even for a giant. Apart from that, they seem to have claimed this mountain range, whatever it is, for themselves. Yeah, that's what you got. They don't see you because you are a speck in the wind at this point. You are high up. Well, let's just... Let's just make our way to a cave. It's the only landmark I've got. So you're going to a cave or the cave? The cave. 
You make your way to the cave. It is roll a stealth check. Just a general stealth check. 17, okay. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. Uh, given that nobody's expecting someone to come down from the mountain that they're guarding, right? You don't seem to be... Nobody seems to see you. You're able to make your way there without too much trouble. You get to the mouth of the cavern. You're up near the top looking down in. I, I will say you are getting close to the 10-minute mark on telekinesis. So you do find a place safely out of sight behind some rocky crags that you can land before telekinesis expires, where you're able to, like, kind of gaze into the cavern. And it is monstrous. And floor-to-ceiling, the rock surfaces are covered in a thick ice. Like, unnaturally so? Yeah, unnaturally so. I would say roll nature. Thirteen. Not sure how this came to be, but the inside of the cavern is covered in ice. Okay. But also, frost giants, right? You know. Right. So, let's keep going further in. Like, because the giants aren't in the cave, right? They're in, like, a kind of area outside. Yeah, like, they are... Their fortress and their their settlement is built around the entrance to this cavern. Okay. But it's it's clear that the cavern is not somewhere that they actively occupy. Alright. There's gotta so, be a reason for that, and not just because it's too big, because that's an absurd reason. Not to use shelter. So how do you get in, right? Do you just recast telekinesis? I mean, it's a it's a, like, a cave, right? Yeah. I can just walk? Okay, so you're making your way down. Alright. All out. You just walk your way into the front door. It is filled with different tunnels leading in deeper into the mountain. Everywhere that you look is covered in ice and you kind of have a hard time. Like, it's counted, all of it is difficult terrain, right? Because you're walking on slick ice. So you're able to move without falling, but it's slow going. Do you pick a random cave and go that way, or are you looking for something in particular? Is there anything notable about the paths? Any Anything on the walls? Of all the paths here, right? Because there are some that go up and down and just kind of leveled where you are. You count about 12 total branching off in different directions. One seems significantly smaller than the rest. Like it might be even close to small for a frost giant, right? But like it's it's clear that it's still like covered in the same frost-like substance. That is notably different. It is significantly different enough, and that makes it obviously correct. You make your way over there. Again, slow going, right? There's no frost giants in here to mark your passing, but you would stand out. Occasionally, you will feel the cavern rumble. Occasionally. But you make your way into this much smaller... Seems like it is big enough for a large-sized creature to make its way through. And as you start making your way into this cavern... It narrows even further, so that it's a somewhat tight fit even for you. And then you run into just a solid wall of ice. Not not with rock behind it, just a wall of ice at one end of this cavern. Can I see, like, is it clear? Can I kind of see through to the other side? What's the word? Is opaque the word? Where, like, you can see it, but it's, like, distorted and shadow? Opaque is solid colors. Obscured, sure. Like, like not... 
Like one of those weird shower windows, right? Or like... Oh, okay, yeah. It's uh, privacy clear. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you can make out shapes and general stuff on the other side. So there is an other side? There is. How thick does it look? Best you can guess, five feet. I'm not boring through that. I don't have any way to bore through that. <laughs> okay. Unless you let me re- like, really liberally interpret what Scorching Ray can do. <laughs> I Scorching Ray does fire damage. This is an ice wall. It does. Uh, the wall does have a hit point total. Nadir takes his staff, his palm resting on the top of it, holds it out in front of him and clacks it on the ground. And above above where his hand is, three little fiery orbs kind of start to form and rotate. And then they all shoot out a ray kind of into a single point on the wall and are still rotating and spinning as this begins to like drill through. Sure. So roll three attacks because it is that's how Scorching Ray works. The armor class is twelve. How does one not hit? I it just you don't hit it with the right angle. Like the fire bounces off of it. So five and nine. So the hit point total that you needed to reach fifteen. God because there's a five it. foot section. But fire damage does double damage to ice. Okay, alright. Uh, the three blasts, one just sort of sputters out against the ice as it melts to water around it. Uh, the other two blast away the section, uh, leaving behind really just quickly refreezing water and a five foot section of frigid air replaced quickly by a wave of heat from inside this cavern. That's, that's quite nice, actually. What you see are wall to ceiling. It, there's no ice covering the walls here except for that one section. It is all bare-faced stone. Roll a nature check. 23. Oh, yeah. The walls, the ceiling, the floor, with the exception of some pathways through are covered in spider eggs and webs. And go ahead and roll a perception check for me, please. This is incorrect. Ten. Ten? That's all you get. It is a massive maze of web, and just, it's a lot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend a sorcery point for magical guidance to re-roll that perception check. I'll let you use the net 20. Oh, okay, sure. So, first of all, since we haven't had one today, roll a 2d100. Yeah! 79 and 73. A key made of solid ice appears in your hand. Uh, it is cold to the touch, but it does not, like, hurt you to hold it. Does that make sense? Right. Like, you know, if you hold ice long enough, your hand starts to hurt, that's not happening. And it's also not melting. It's just, like, you know you're holding magical ice right now. And with a nat 20 for a 26 on perception, you see a humanoid figure, looks like a drow, deep inside the cavern, in the fetal position, deeply wounded, and half wrapped up in webs. Oh, well, I'm gonna, I gotta go to help, help drow friend. Okay. Uh, it is 
like 200 feet into this cavern. That's fine. I already have to be careful where I walk anyway. Correct. Give me another stealth check, please. 16. You're trying to make your way. How are you trying to get there? Like, this cavern, she is like suspended in the dead center of this cavern. Oh, suspended. Yeah, like the like half covered in webs, she's in there, like in the midst of all the crap. Oh, okay. I thought it was like on the ground. Okay, I want to get underneath underneath the drow. Roll me a acrobatics or survival to navigate through the webs without like touching the wrong one or alerting anything just by you know what I'm saying? Like, because if you touch a web, the spider knows. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So your choice, which one? Acrobatics. 14. I That is the DC I had in mind. Okay, all right. Like Ocean's Eleven, right? Going through the laser maze. Except it's an old man with a bad back. <laughs> Just making his way narrowly through the webs without touching them to the point that it reverberates across the rest of the webbing. As you're looking at all these eggs up close, making your way through, so you know... Go ahead and roll a nature check again. I know I'm asking for a lot of nature checks. 16. So, that's plenty. You've seen, like, spider egg sacs, right? They have, like, a million little spiders in them. That's not what you're looking at. This is... Like, it looks like a spider egg sac, but you see one singular spider in each of them. But it doesn't even look... Like, it's... You're not even really able to see in it because it's dark. But, like, even the spider looks kind of wrong. And these are, like, big eggs, right? Like, the size of you. But... So you're just making your way... You get, without interruption, directly under the drow. Okay. How many egg sacks am I, like, immediately next to right now? Like, do I have some wiggle room? At this point, I would say you have anywhere from 5 to 15 feet of wiggle room, depending on what you're trying to do. Oh, hey, underneath me is, like, actual earth, right? Correct. So I want to send a mage hand up with my with, with a knife to cut him free, and then I want to use mold earth to part and and move down in a very, like, specific way as to match and slow the fall. It's, it's like if you were to try and catch something that's falling, you don't like hold your hand still and grab it if it's fragile. You, you know, when it touches your hand, it kind of goes down and slows its fall. Gotcha. So you're tr- like, I understand. So it's, it's a controlled fall is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Like trying to keep your... Like, you don't want something to fall so fast that it reaches, like, terminal velocity. But also, you don't want to, like, just stop it either. Yeah. So sort of like when a football player catches the football, they don't just snap it out of the air. They, like, guide it towards their chest so that it doesn't go everywhere. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Understood. But less about directional guiding and more about velocity guiding. You mage hand a knife up there to cut the drow free correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, The drow seems to stir awake and is looking around trying to figure out like, drow sees 
the mage hand holding the dagger and just like sawing away at pieces of web, right? Madrow, heavily injured as she is, her gaze falls on you, and she is just regarding you as you try to cut her free. What do you do? Like, you have her attention. Uh, Nadir just puts a finger up to his mouth in the sort of shushing sort of thing. Hey, 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 hey. Shh. And proceeds with the plan. She doesn't make a sound, right? It takes some doing, right? This is thick web. You seem to have gotten here unnoticed, and eventually uh, you free... It's like she is not completely wrapped up in webbing. Like, her upper torso and arms are free. You're not trying to unwrap her, right? Unless I'm mistaken. You're trying to just get her down. Yeah. Unwrapping can happen when we're at the same level. You saw off where, like, it should free her, but a large chunk of the webbing behind her starts to come down with her. You are able to do a controlled fall. You're not sure if it's going to be silent. Yeah, that's fair. You, Where do you land her? Just right next to you? Yeah. There is just, like, a 15-foot section of mast webbing just behind her. Her hair is tangled up in it. Uh, it's attached to her, like, she can't really remove her right arm because of it. It's just her upper torso is sticking out of this mass, and she's just there, and she's looking at you like, how are you here? How did you get here? Um, my, my name is Nadir, and I don't know, and I don't know. We should leave, right? Where would we go? Is, is there... Where did you come from? Woke up here. That's unfortunate for us. But we should get to... You don't... You don't have a plan? Not not usually. Not to sound ungrateful, but you're a fool, aren't you? De- debatable. But I know that right here, right now, is not good for either of us. So we should leave. Unless that's a foolish idea as well. It's more... I don't have a lot of tolerance for fools. The massive webbing behind her starts to unravel. The lower half of her body is a spider. And you sense movement behind you. I feel I've made a mistake. Like a large... A large movement. Like, considerable. Well, of course I turn to look at it. You see what looks to be an ancient dragon. A white dragon. Oh, hello. So, there's something wrong about this dragon. It takes you a second to place it, because, you know, you see a dragon, and you're like, oh, fuck. Um, The dragon has eight legs, and its mouth opens to the side. Um, The wings stretch out to their considerable wingspan and you hear a guttural growl come from it the wings have designs not like normal dragon wings where you see like the talent it's more like webs uh the drow's hand turns your face back to her and says let's talk about how you came to be here who are you my name is uh, Nadir Kusain Amber 
and I came here fleeing the plane of fire. And why were you fleeing the plane of fire to here? Well, I wasn't. I was only fleeing, not not to here, not to, well, to back home. It didn't work, and I came here. Uh, did you did you know that something is is eating the planes? I did. That's why I fled the abyss. Okay. Yes. Same. Except I didn't mean to be here. I did. So. Since you are just a fool out of his depth, I think I'll save you for a meal for late. Or perhaps an incubator, if that's preferable to you. Unless you give me a reason not to. So you fled to here specifically. Um, now this this might be a, a, a foolish question from a fool. What plane am I on? You're on the Feywild. You're awfully old for an elf to be this much of a fool. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And Nadir claps his staff on the ground again. A black circle erupts beneath his feet and like these tendrils kind of come out and encircle him as he casts banishment on himself. Because I am native to the material plane, that is where I end up. It is. Yeah, you do so. She seems shocked, but not like surprised shocked, more amused shocked, and she lets you. Instantly, you are back on the material plane. Where do you end up? That's an excellent question. I mean, obviously I'd like to end up in like water deep, but... Given where things are right now, you end up in the Bardrock Cafe in the basement in front of the other obelisk. Excellent. And obviously you maintain concentration for a minute, and then the banishment is permanent. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, you get the sense this drow definitely knows what this spell is. No insight check needed. So, you find yourself in the basement of the Bardrock Cafe. Jumping alert is the displacer beast that has been guarding the Bardrock Cafe this whole time. Uh, it recognizes you and then returns to lounging, but you have now scared the mess out of your dog. Uh, well, first first things first, pet the, pet the good boy. And if everyone is scattered, this will be where we end up. Well, as a quick note, by the way, the obelisk is pristine, like new. Right. So, in case it wasn't clear before, it worked, right? It has been repaired. Oh, oh, that's that's quite lovely. Um, he did it. It's within it. It's within a jinn's power to fix a tablet of fate. It's within a jinn's power to fix godly items. That is excellent information. I think. I think I will wait. You will wait? Yes. If everybody is scattered, and if they find out that everybody is scattered as well, the only meeting point would be here. Okay. Uh, you have to wait until sometime the next day. 
Which, as a point of order, Minibar is here. Oh, excellent. Minibar is sitting alongside Brock's uh, retainers, who also somehow ended up back at the Bardrock Cafe. The retainers got back here through some means, and everybody's just around. So, you're catching up with everybody. You get Minibar up to speed on what happened after Minibar was uh, banished by the Genie Prince. And, yeah, you have about a day. Is there anything you'd like to do? Nadir is going to talk to Brock's retainers. And he's going to, like, he's going to pull out his book, go to an empty page, get a, get a quill. And it's like, I need to know how you guys got here. And then, and then we fade out as they're telling the story and Nadir is chronicling it. So you spend some time getting their story about what happened with them. After about a day, you receive a sending spell in Sylvan. I have been asked to talk to you, to invite you as a guest to the Court of Night. Do you accept? If my friends are there, I accept. No response. After a moment, a portal opens up and you're able to see on the other side is a large reception hall full of unfamiliar faces and Rook. Deer closes the book, puts away the quill, has been writing this entire time, chronicling all of the nonsense that just happened. Well, I hope everyone else finds their way too. And he steps through the portal it closes behind you, and that is where we will end the Deers episode. Jake, what are all those strange people doing to the side of the ship? Well, Alexa, we need to let people know about our sponsor, Dragon Master Games. So I had their logo painted on the side of the ship. Do you think a local game store will want people to know they're in league with pirates? Maybe not. There is nothing stopping you from spreading word about all the great products and services Dragon Master Games offers at every port we visit, or how you can order things from their online storefront. But please, do not paint their logo on me. Uh, fair point. Nothing a little prestidigitation can't fix. Anyway, time to embark. Avast, me hearties! It's time we depart from this cursed port. Isn't this your hometown? Yes, and I've surely outstayed me welcome. Hostile lifeforms detected. You see several muscular goons approaching the ship as you raise anchor. Uh, who are those guys? No one to be concerned about. I feel like that means we should explicitly be concerned. Not at all. Those are our wonderful patrons coming to collect their annual swag bags and join us in the community game day. Ahoy, mateys! Come aboard for some of the finest swag in the Astral Sea. Oh, okay then. Uh, where did we get patrons exactly? They subscribe to Bard Rock Network on Patreon or Ko-fi. Supporters gain access to all those rewards and more. Links can be found in the show notes. Looks like we'll be staying another ten day after all. Miss Polly, refreshments for our guests. Sure, I have nothing better to do than make snacks for everyone. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry, Miss Polly. I don't want to keep you from your duties. Uh, what's your job title again? Ships. Cook. 
Ah, so then you'll be making refreshments for our guests then. Starkey attitude detected. You're damn right. Thank you for all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Our show and all the other shows on Bard Rock Network wouldn't be possible without the support of people like you on our Patreon and Kofi. That's why we like to thank supporters who pledge above a certain tier at the end of network productions. This month's top supporters are Sarah, Queen, Viralor, and Paul. Thank you all so much for supporting the network. If you want to get shoutouts and other rewards, pledge on our Patreon or Kofi today. Links in the show notes.